Hello, welcome to A Disciple's Tidbit, a small seed of information to help grow your faith. My name is Craig, and I want to invite you to sit back and enjoy this mini-episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's A Disciple's Tidbit. What I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to try to talk about this briefly because I know that Monday's podcast was really long. I got kind of on a roll Um, And I don't know how necessarily successful that I will be coming from this point of view in this tidbit. So as you've seen in the title already, I've called it the problem of evil, right? Obviously, you know, many people who are atheists and whatnot come up with this presupposition that based on the fact that evil exists, that God can't exist. Um, I'm just going to cover it right now. It's basically a six-step proposition that says, A perfectly powerful being can prevent any evil. Two, a perfectly good being will prevent evil as far as he can. Three, God is perfectly powerful and good. Four, so if a perfectly powerful and good God exists, there will be no evil. Five, there is evil. Six, therefore God doesn't exist. I, You know, I I say this with all the love in my heart. I really do. But to be quite honest, this sounds like something a kid would say. You know, well, because I can't have my way, that means that this isn't happen. That, that this doesn't exist, or this is not good. And I know that sounds really harsh to people who have suffered a lot of loss, but when you look at it from the the hundred thousand foot view, I don't know if you remember, but like I think it was in twenty fifteen, there was a an individual that went up as high as he could go into that balloon, and then he he did this uh, eight minute drop to earth, right? If we could get a view that high up in the stratosphere, if we can get the orb, orbital view, right, of why God does the way things that God does, we probably would have a more appreciative understanding. Or if we've gone through hard times, if we then look on the other side of those hard times, we see things through the lens of something called wisdom. How would we get that wisdom? I've known individuals who've not gone through hard times whatsoever, and they are remarkably shallow people, okay? If it's one thing that hard times do is it creates character, all right? It creates steadfastness. It creates wisdom. Sometimes it causes bitterness. Sometimes people get really, really mad. One thing that we do have to keep in mind And we do have to kind of tackle this in some way, form, or fashion, is that we have to realize that God is God and we are not. In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, and keep in mind, we're talking about a being who spoke the universe into existence. He said, let there be light and there was light. Okay, what was light? If you were living in, I don't know, let's say you were living in the the void that existed before the universe began, right? If you were one of the angels, would you necessarily be able to describe light, dark, water, rock, uh, flower? Could you describe those things? No, because they had not come into being yet. You would have no concept of what that is. Likewise, I want to postulate something. And I I don't mean it for a debate. I mean it for a, you know, just chewing on in your mind. 
how would you know good is good unless God established that it was good already? I mean, think about that. Really seriously give that some thought. How would you know that saving a life was good? Let's say, let's say time travel was possible. Let's, let's just have a hypothetical here. Time travel was possible. And, you know, it's always too that moral, uh, ethical dilemma people play in their heads. You know, it's like if you could travel back in time and kill Hitler before really he grew up, how much atrocity would you have prevented, right? World War II killed millions of people. Hitler was the cause of World War II. There's no doubt about that. Had he not necessarily been the leader, he may not have been able to spur on the machine, if you will, of events and all this and that that created the Holocaust of World War II, not just with the Jewish people, but all across the world. It was a terrible time, and a lot of people have poised that that same thing. If you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, would you do it? And it's an ethical dilemma. It's an ethical conundrum. Can you kill a baby? But it's Hitler, you know? But let's think about that for a second, okay? Let's just use this one example from that ethical conundrum that people will talk about. So World War II obviously happened. Six million Jews Hitler put to death, right? All because he thought that his race was superior and the Jewish race wasn't. That was his supposition. And that's why he did what he did. I'm not at all defending that. It was horrible. It was atrocious. But it was something that accomplished the purpose of God. The nation of Israel came about. May 14, 1948. Largely, it is true that there was such a thing called the Balfour Declaration in the 19-teens that, you know, the Balfour, I can't remember his name exactly, but it was considered to be the pivotal time when there were people that wanted to bring about an actual nation state of Israel. Obviously, I think because they were purveyors of Bible prophecy, but because they realized that the time to reestablish the Jewish state was probably deeply at hand in World War II and the Holocaust that was endured by those people spurred it on to where by United Nations proclamation, it came into being. Not only that, but we talked about in Monday's podcast how this was prophesied to happen. In Ezekiel 37, it was said that the new covenant would be established with the Jewish people in their own land. What do we currently see? We see the Jewish people in their land right now, strong as ever because of the IDF. The military is very strong, very formidable. You have about 11 million Jewish people that are living in that area. Not only Jewish people, but a whole bunch of different people, right? But about 11 million Jewish people, I believe, 8 to 11 million, uh, living in there. And there are people continually flowing into the nation who are of Jewish heritage. Would that have come about without the atrocious evil of the Holocaust? Maybe, maybe not. But God utilizes horrible things for good. In Romans 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, verse 28. Now it says the 
those who love God. So it's like, you know, well, of course, he's talking about Christians there. I would say that's the case. But God in Ezekiel 36 said in verse 22, he said, it is for my name's sake that I am about to act, not yours, but my name's sake, because he made certain promises. And this was talking about whenever the Jewish, uh, I'm sorry, the kingdom of Judah was about to go into exile into the, the Babylonian kingdom. He says, I'm going to do this not because of anything that you've done or that you deserve it. I'm going to do it because of my own namesake. How much more is God going to want to protect his namesake now? And he has utilized terrible times and terrible consequences and downright horrific consequences to bring about his purposes. Sometimes people don't like it. Sometimes people don't like the things that God has done. I get it. I understand it. I've had circumstances in my own life that have brought about certain things and certain uh, attitudes and certain lessons I would not have learned any other way had it not been for those hard times. So just because hard times exist and just because evil men are allowed to flourish doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that it's because evil exists that it's a problem. We wouldn't even know it was evil if it wasn't for the standard of good that God has shown us throughout time and history in his word. We would have no concept. In a Darwinian philosophy, if we get rid of something bad, no matter how horrible it may be, that may be seen as a good thing, according to Darwinian philosophy, right? Survival of the fittest. I even say that with much trepidation because it's a horrible thing to say. Why would I even say it's a horrible thing to say? How do we know it's a horrible thing to say? Because we have the contrasting nature of good. We have the contrasting nature of good. Basically, we can see good for what it is because the mirror, the evil, allows us to have. We can say, that's really bad. We don't want to do any of that stuff. Let's continue to do more of the good stuff over here. So the problem of evil is not necessarily a problem. It's something God utilizes to bring about his purposes. What was one of probably also in the ancient world, what is probably one of the most evil things that has ever happened? Jesus was crucified. He was killed. He was put on a tree. He died a criminal's death. Roman citizens were not allowed to be executed in such a manner because it was so utterly horrific. You, you asphyxiate to death. The manner in which people are put to death is because they, they can't hold themselves up and it creates such a pressure on your chest that you die because you can't breathe anymore over hours. And that happened to Jesus. Arguably, people will say the person of Jesus was a what was he he was a great and wonderful man, and we should live by his example, but I don't necessarily buy all this other stuff. But he was crucified. That was evil. That was wrong. But God used it for so much good. It is because Jesus was put to death that we, by believing in him, that my sins, like if I'm just talking about me, that my sins can be forgiven. And your sins can be forgiven because of that evil thing that men did. To Jesus on the cross. God used it for an ultimate good. And that can be appropriated to you right now. 
God utilizes evil for his own purposes. He manipulates everything around to where, I hate to use the word manipulates, but he turns everything to his own purposes. Even evil he utilizes for his own good. And the ultimate evil that was perpetuated within history can be appropriated to you because that means your sins can be paid for. Everything that you have ever done against God can be paid for because of the evil that was done to Jesus Christ. But it wasn't done to him against his own will. He says, I lay my own life down in my own accord. And he did it for us. He did it for you and for me. And how that is effective in your own life right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, just listen to this seg next segment coming up in just a few seconds. At this point in the podcast, I want to reach out to you. And if you have never done so, if you have never entered into a saving relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. Believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you, you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and your heart and everything through a process, if you will, to be able to embody what's already taken place in your heart by simply saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And now I confess you as Lord. Please take control of my life. And I want to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. That's all you need to do. And your life will change. Your life will change, not necessarily materially, not necessarily in terms of the world, but your life will change as far as your relationship with God. And you can know for certain that you're saved. The Apostle John wrote that when he was pinning 1 John. He says, I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you can hope, not that you can wonder, but that you can know. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast today. If you'd like to get in touch with me for any reason, I have the links for the social networks that I am connected on in my bio for this podcast. I'm also available at Gmail at DisciplePOV, that's D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E-P-O-V at gmail.com. If you have anything that you would like to convey to me, such as something you agree with, something you don't, or anything else, or if you did receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I'd love to hear from you today and to assist you on your new eternal journey.